Act Two of The Bell Stratagem by Hannah Cowley. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Act Two, Scene One Sir George Touchwoods. Enter Doricourt and Sir George. Married. Ha ha ha. You, whom I heard in Paris say such things of the sex, are in London a married man. The sex is still what it has ever been since La Petite Morale banished substantial virtues. And rather than have given my name to one of your high-bred fashionable dames, I'd have crossed the line in a fire-ship and married a Japanese. Yet you have married an English beauty, yea, and a beauty born in high life true but she had a simplicity of heart and manners that would have become the fair hebrew damsels toasted by the patriarchs <laughs> why you art a downright matrimonial quixote my life on it she becomes a mere town lady in six months as though she had been bred to the trade common common no sir lady frances despises high life so much from the ideas i have given her that she'll live in it like a salamander in fire oh that the circle dan lepois victoire could witness thy extravagance i'll send thee off to st everard this night drawn at full length and coloured after nature tell him then to add to the ridicule that touchwood glories in the name of husband that he has found in one english woman more beauty than frenchmen ever saw and more goodness than french woman can conceive well enough of this description introduce me to this phoenix i came on purpose introduce oh ay to be sure i believe lady frances is engaged just now but another time aside how handsome the dog looks to-day another time but i have no other time Steph, this is the only hour i can command this fortnight sir george aside i am glad to hear it with all my soul so then you can't dine with us to-day that's very unlucky oh yes as to dinner yes i can i believe contrive to dine with you to-day pshaw i didn't think on what i was saying i meant supper you can't sup with us why supper would be rather more convenient than dinner but you are fortunate if you'd asked me any other night i could not have come to-night gad now i recollect we are particularly engaged to-night but to-morrow night why look ye sir george tis very plain you have no inclination to let me see your wife at all so here i sit throws himself on a sofa there's my hat and here are my legs now i shan't stir till i have seen her and i have no engagements i'll breakfast dine and sup with you every day this week was there ever such a provoking wretch but to be plain with you doricourt i and my house are at your service but you are a damned agreeable fellow and ten years younger than i am and the women i observe always simper when you appear for these reasons i had rather when lady frances and i are together that you should forget we are acquainted further than a nod a smile or a how d'ye very well 
It is not merely yourself in propia persona that I object to, but if you are intimate here, you'll make my house still more the fashion than it is, and it is already so much so that my doors are of no use to me. I married Lady Frances to engross her to myself. Yet such is the blessed freedom of modern manners, that, in spite of me, her eyes, thoughts, and conversation are continually divided amongst all the flirts and coxcombs of fashion. To be sure, I confess that kind of freedom is carried rather too far. Tis hard one can't have a jewel in one's cabinet, but the whole town must be gratified with its luster. Aside. He shan't preach me out of seeing his wife, though. Well, now, that's reasonable. When you take time to reflect, Doricourt, I always observe you decide right, and therefore I hope... Enter servant. Sir, my lady desires... I am particularly engaged. Oh, Lord, that shall be no excuse in the world. Leaping from the sofa. Lead the way, John. I'll attend your lady. Exit, following the servant. What devil possessed me to talk about her? Here, Doricourt. Running after him. Doricourt. Enter Mrs. Rackett and Miss Ogle, followed by a servant. Acquaint your lady that Mrs. Rackett and Miss Ogle are here. Exit servant. I shall hardly know, Lady Frances, tis so long since I was in Shropshire. And I'll be sworn that you never saw her out of Shropshire. Her father kept her locked up with his caterpillars and shells, and loved her beyond anything but a blue butterfly and a petrified frog. Ha, ha, ha! Well, twas a cheap way of breeding her. You know he was very poor, though a lord, and very high-spirited, though a virtuoso, in town. Her pantheons, operas, and robes de cour would have swallowed his seaweeds, moths, and monsters in six weeks. Sir George, I think, finds his wife a most extraordinary creature. He has taught her to despise everything like fashionable life, and boasts that example will have no effect on her. There's a great degree of impertinence in all that. I'll try to make her a fine lady to humble him. That's just the thing I wish. Enter Lady Frances. I beg ten thousand pardons, my dear Mrs. Rackett. Miss Ogle, I rejoice to see you. I should have come to you sooner, but I was detained in conversation by Mr. Doricourt. Pray make no apology. I am quite happy that we have your ladyship in town at last. What stay do you make? A short one. Sir George talks with regret of the scenes we have left, and as the ceremony of presentation is over, will, I believe, soon return. Sure, he can't be so cruel. Does your ladyship wish to return so soon? I have not the habit of consulting my own wishes, but I think if they decide we shall not return immediately. I have yet hardly formed an idea of London. I shall quarrel with your lord and master if he dares think of depriving us of you so soon. How do you dispose of yourself today? 
Sir George is going with me this morning to the mercer's to choose a silk, and then choose a silk for you. <laughs> Sir George chooses your laces too. I hope your gloves and your pin cushions, madam. I am glad to see you blush, my dear Lady Frances. These are strange homespun ways. If you do these things, pray keep them secret. Lord bless us! If the town should know your husband chooses your gowns, you are very young, my lady, and have been brought up in solitude. The maxims you learnt among the wood nymphs in Shropshire won't pass current here. I assure you. Why, my dear creature, you look quite frightened. Come, you shall go with us to an exhibition and an auction. Afterwards, we'll take a turn in the park, then drive to Kensington. So we shall be home by four to dress, and in the evening I'll attend you to Lady Brilliant's masquerade. I shall be very happy to be of your party if Sir George has no engagements. What? Do you stand so low in your own opinion? That you dare not trust yourself without Sir George, if you chose to play Darby and Joan, my dear, you should have stayed in the country. Tis an exhibition not calculated for London, I assure you. What I suppose, my lady, you and Sir George will be seen pacing it comfortably round the canal, arm and arm, and then go lovingly into the same carriage dine tete-a-tete spend the evening at piquet and go soberly to bed at eleven such a snug plan may do for an attorney and his wife but for lady frances touchwood tis as unsuitable as linsey woolsey or a black bonnet at the festino these are rather new doctrines to me but my dear mrs rackett you and miss ogle must judge of these things better than i can as you observe, I am but young, and may have caught absurd opinions. Here is Sir George. Enter Sir George. Sir George aside. Sir Death, another room full. My love, Mrs. Rackett and Miss Ogle. Give you joy, Sir George. We came to rob you of Lady Frances for a few hours. A few hours? Oh, yes, I'm going to an exhibition, and an auction, and the park, and Kensington, and a thousand places. It is quite ridiculous, I find, for married people to be always together. We shall be laughed at. I am astonished. Mrs. Rackett, what does the dear creature mean? Mean, Sir George, what she says, I imagine. Why? You know, sir, as Lady Frances had the misfortune to be bred entirely in the country, she cannot be supposed to be versed in fashionable life. No, heaven forbid she should. If she had, madam, she would never have been my wife. Are you serious? Perfectly so. I should never have had the courage to have married a well-bred fine lady pray sir what do you take a fine lady to be that you express such fear of her a being easily described madam as she is seen everywhere 
but in her own house. She sleeps at home, but she lives all over the town. In her mind, every sentiment gives place to the lust of conquest and the vanity of being particular. The feelings of wife and mother are lost in the world of dissipation. If she continues virtuous, tis by chance, and if she preserves her husband from ruin, tis by her dexterity at the card-table. Such a woman I take to be a perfect fine lady. And I take you to be a slanderous cynic of two-and-thirty. Twenty years hence, one might have forgiven such libel. Now, sir, hear my definition of a fine lady. She is a creature for whom nature has done much, and education more. She has taste, elegance, spirit, understanding. In her manner, she is free. In her morals, nice. Her behaviour is undistinguishingly polite to her husband and all mankind. Her sentiments are for their hours of retirement. In a word, a fine lady is the life of conversation, the spirit of society, the joy of the public. Pleasure follows wherever she appears, and the kindest wishes attend her slumbers. Make haste, then, my dear Lady Frances. Commit, fine lady, and force your husband to acknowledge the justness of my picture. I am sure tis a delightful one. How can you dislike it, Sir George? You painted fashionable life in colours so disgusting that I thought I hated it. But on a nearer view it seems charming. I have hitherto lived in obscurity. Tis time that I should be a woman of the world. I long to begin. My heart pants with expectation and delight. Come, then, let us begin directly. I am impatient to introduce you to that society, which you are born to ornament and charm. Adieu, my love. We shall meet again at dinner. Going. Sure, I am in a dream. Fanny. Lady Frances returning. Sir George. Will you go without me? Will you go without me? <laughs> What a pathetic address! Why, sure, you would not always be side by side like two beans upon a stalk. Are you afraid to trust Lady Frances with me, sir? Heaven and earth! With whom can a man trust his wife in the present state of society? Formerly, there were distinctions of character amongst ye. Every class of females had its particular description. Grandmothers were pious, aunts discreet, old maids censorious. But now aunts, grandmothers, girls, and maiden gentlewomen are all the same creature. A wrinkle more or less is the sole difference between ye. That maiden gentlewomen have lost their censoriousness is surely not in your catalogue of grievances. Indeed it is and ranked amongst the most serious grievances. Things went well, madam, when the tongues of three or four old virgins kept all the wives and daughters of a parish in awe. 
They were the dragons that guarded the Hesperian fruit, and I wonder they have not been obliged, by act of Parliament, to resume their function. <laughs> and pensioned, I suppose, for making strict inquiries into the lives and conversations of their neighbors. With all my heart, and empowered to oblige every woman to conform her conduct to her real situation. You, for instance, are a widow. Your air should be sedate, your dress grave, your deportment matronly, and in all things an example to the young women growing up about you. Instead of which, you are dressed for conquest, think of nothing but ensnaring hearts, are a coquette, a wit, and a fine lady. Bear witness to what he says. A coquette, a wit, and a fine lady. Who would have expected a eulogy from such an ill-natured mortal? Valor to a soldier, wisdom to a judge, or glory to a prince is not more than such a character to a woman. Sir George, I see, languishes for the charming society of a century and a half ago, when a grave squire and a still graver dame, surrounded by a sober family, formed a stiff group in a mouldy old house in the corner of a park. Delightful serenity, undisturbed by any noise but the cawing of rooks, and the quarterly rumbling of an old family coach on a state visit, with the happy intervention of a friendly call from the parish apothecary or the curate's wife. And what is the society of which you boast? A mere chaos, in which all distinction of rank is lost in a ridiculous affectation of ease, and every different order of beings huddled together, as they were before the creation. In the same select party, you will often find the wife of a bishop and a shopper, of an earl and a fiddler. In short, tis one universal masquerade, all disguised in the same habits and manners. Mr. Flutter. Exit servant. Here comes an illustration. Now I defy you to tell from his appearance whether Flutter is a privy counsellor, or a mercer, a lawyer, or a grocer's prentice. Enter Flutter. Oh, just which you please, Sir George. So you don't make me a lord a mayor. Ah, uh, Mrs. Rackett. Lady Frances, you're most obedient. You look, uh, now hang me if that's not provoking. Uh, had your gown been of another colour? I would have said the prettiest thing you ever heard in your life. Pray, give it us. I was yesterday at Mrs. Bloomer's. She was dressed all in green, no other color to be seen but that of her face and bosom. So says I, my dear Mrs. Bloomer, you look like a carnation just bursting from its pod. And what said her husband? Her husband? Why, her husband laughed and said a cucumber would have been a happier simile. <laughs> but there are husbands, sir, who would rather have corrected than amended your comparison. I, for instance, should consider a man's complimenting my wife as an impertinence. 
why what harm can there be in compliments sure they are not infectious and if they were you sir george of all people breathing have reason to be satisfied about your lady's attachment everybody talks of it the little bird there that she killed out of jealousy the most extraordinary instance of affection that ever was given i kill a bird through jealousy heavens mr flutter how can you impute such a cruelty to me i could have forgiven you if you had ah what a blundering fool no no now i remember twas your bird lady frances that's it your bullfinch which sir george in one of the refinements of his passion sent into the wide world to seek its fortune he took it for a knight in disguise is it possible oh sir george could i have imagined it was you who deprived me of a creature i was so fond of mr flutter you are one of those busy idle meddling people who from mere vacuity of mind are the most dangerous inmates in a family you have neither feelings nor opinions of your own but like a glass in a tavern bear about those of every blockhead who gives you his and because you mean no harm think yourselves excused though broken friendships discords and murders are the consequences of your indiscretions flutter taking out his tablets vacuity of mind uh, what was the next i'll write down this sermon tis the first i have heard since my grandmother's funeral come lady frances you see what a cruel creature your loving husband can be so let us leave him madam lady frances shall not go shall not sir george this is the first time such an expression weeping my love my life don't imagine i'll be treated like a child denied what i wish and then pacified with sweet words miss ogle apart the bullfinch that's an excellent subject never let it down i see plainly you would deprive me of every pleasure as well as of my sweet bird out of pure love barbarous man tis well madam your resentment of that circumstance proves to me what i did not before suspect that you are deficient both in tenderness and understanding tremble to think the hour approaches in which you would give worlds for such a proof of my love go madam give yourself to the public abandon your heart to dissipation and see if in the scenes of gaiety and folly that await you you can find a recompense for the lost affection of a doting husband exit sir george lord what a fine thing it is to have the gift of speech i suppose sir george practises at coachmaker's hall or the black horse in bond street he is really angry i cannot go not go foolish creature you are arrived at the moment which some time or other was sure to happen and everything depends on the use you make of it come lady frances don't hesitate the minutes are precious 
I could find in my heart, and yet I won't give up neither. If I should in this instance, he'll expect it for ever. Exit Lady Frances and Mrs. Racket. Now you act like a woman of spirit. Exit Miss Ogle. A fair tug by Jupiter, between duty and pleasure. Pleasure beats, and off we go. I owe triumph. Exit Flutter. Scene changes to an auction room. Busts, pictures, etc., etc. Enter Silvertongue with three puffers. Very well, very well. This morning will be devoted to curiosity. My sale begins tomorrow at eleven. But, Mrs. Fag, if you do know better than you did in Lord Filigree's sale, I shall discharge you. You want a knack, terribly. And this dress! Why, nobody could mistake you for a gentlewoman. Very true, Mr. Silverton. But I can't dress like a lady upon half a crown a day, as the saying is. If you want me to dress like a lady, you must double my pay. Double or quits, Mr. Silverton. Five shillings a day? What a demand! Why, woman, there are a thousand parsons in the town who don't make five shillings a day, though they preach, pray, christen, marry and bury for the good of the community. Five shillings a day? Why, tis the pay of a lieutenant in a marching regiment who keeps a servant, a mistress, a horse, fights, dresses, ogles, makes love, and dies upon five shillings a day. Oh, as to that, all that's very right. A soldier should not be too fond of life, and forcing him to do all these things upon five shillings a day is the readiest way to make him tired on it. Well, Mask, have you been looking into the antiquaries? Have you got all the terms of art in a string? I? Yes, I have. I know the age of a coin by the taste, and can fix the birthday of a medal, anno mundi or anno domini, though the green rust should have eaten up every character. But you know, the brown suit and the wig I wear, when I personate the antiquary, are in limbo. Those you have on may do these why in these i am a young travel cognoscento mr glib bought them of sir tom totter's valet and i am going there directly you know his picture sale comes on to-day and i have got my head full of parmigiano sal rosa metsu tarbeck and vandermeer i talk of the relief of vouvermans the spirit of teniers the colouring of the venetian school and the correctness of the roman i distinguish claude by his leap and risedale by his water the rapidity of tintoret's pencil strikes me at the first glance whilst the harmony of van dyck and the glow of correggio point out their masters enter company heyday mr silvertongue what nobody here oh my lady we shall have company enough in a trice if your carriage is seen at my door no other will pass it i am sure 
First Lady aside. Familiar monster. That's a beautiful Diana, Mr. Silvertongue, but in the name of wonder, how come Actaean to be placed on the top of a house? That's a David and Bathsheba, ma'am. Oh, I crave their pardon. I remember the names, but know nothing of the story. More company enters. Was not that Lady Frances Touchwood coming up with Mrs. Rackett? I think so. Yes, it is, Faith. Let us go nearer. Enter Lady Frances, Mrs. Rackett, and Miss Ogle. Yes, sir, this is to be the first lot. The model of a city in wax. The model of a city? What city? That I have not been able to discover, but call it Rome, Peking, or London, tis still a city. You'll find in it the same jarring interests, the same passions, the same virtues, and the same vices, whatever the name. You may as well present us a map of terra incognita. Oh, pardon me, sir. A lively imagination would convert this waxen city into an endless and interesting amusement. For instance, look into this little house on the right hand. There are four old prudes in it, taking care of their neighbours' reputations. This elegant mansion on the left, decorated with Corinthian pillars, who needs be told that it belongs to a court lord and is the habitation of patriotism, philosophy, and virtue? Here's a city hall. The rich steams that issue from the windows nourish a neighbouring workhouse. Here's a church. We'll pass over that. The doors are shut. The parsonage house comes next. We'll take a peep here, however. Look at the doctor. He's asleep on a volume of Tolland. Whilst his lady is putting on rouge for the masquerade. Oh, oh, this can be no English city. Our parsons are all orthodox and their wives the daughters of modesty and meekness lady frances and miss ogle come forward followed by courtall i wish sir george was here this man follows me about and stares at me in such a way that i am quite uneasy he has travelled and is heir to an immense estate so he's impertinent by patent you are very cruel ladies miss ogle you will not let me speak to you as to this little scornful beauty she has frowned me dead fifty times sir i am a married woman courtall aside a married woman a good hint twould be a shame if such a charming woman was not married but i see you are a daphne just come from your sheep and your meadows your crook and your waterfalls pray now who is this happy damon to whom you have vowed eternal truth and constancy tis lady frances touchwood mr courtall 
to whom you are speaking cortal aside lady francis by heaven that seville's old flame i beg your lady's pardon i ought to have believed that such beauty could only belong to your name a name i have long been enamoured of because i knew it to be that of the finest woman in the world mrs racket comes forward lady frances apart my dear mrs racket i am so frightened here's a man making love to me though he knows i am married oh the pseudo for that my dear don't mind him was you at the casino last night mr courtall i looked in twas impossible to stay nobody there but antiques you'll be at lady brilliant's to-night doubtless yes i go with lady frances lady frances to miss ogle bless me i did not know this gentleman was acquainted with mrs racket i behaved so rude to him come ma'am looking at her watch tis past one i protest if we don't fly to kensington we shan't find a soul there won't this gentleman go with us courtall looking surprised to be sure you make me happy madam beyond description oh never mind him he'll follow excellent lady frances mrs racket and miss ogle lady touchwood with a vengeance but tis always so your reserved ladies are like ice egad no sooner begin to soften than they melt following end of the second act